Hi everybody, this is Friday, July 17th, 2015, and we're in the Novel Ideas discussion group, and we're discussing the book Nights in Rodanthe by Nicholas Sparks. So let's start, as we usually do, by going around and seeing what everybody thought about the group, the book. I can talk tonight. Well, I, w- I like Nicholas Sparks, but I was prepared sort of, I don't know why, not to read it and to be bored with the book. And it, the good the, the thing is, with so many book clubs, it was short. So we, we started reading it last week, and we couldn't put it down, right? I, yeah. Ruth Ann will speak for herself. We thought, oh boy, ho-hum romance. But it was much deeper than that. It was a lovely and sweet love story, in my opinion. You know, it was it was uh, very gentle. You know, nobody was really too bad. I mean, you could get mad at Jack, you know, but he, he found Linda, and then they had divorced, as we remember. Um, Adrian was, was good. Ruth Ann will tell you, she didn't like Adrian at first. Uh, I, I don't know. I did, of course, and Paul, of course. So I think it was really good. You want to comment now, Ruth Ann? Well, I thought at first it was going to be just your typical romance, but uh, it kind of reminded me of the Bridges of Madison County, where this these two people just suddenly fell in love, and everything changed from both of them from then on. And it was it, I thought the way it was written was nice. They didn't get all uh, messed up in the heat of the moment, and they were more gentle about everything, and uh, I, I couldn't, we couldn't put it down, we both started reading it, and it, uh, it was, I thought it was so, it was a good book. Even when Paul and Adrian get together, suddenly it's, I said, oh good, then it's chapter, whatever it is, they just moved on. Um, I had seen the movie, actually, a few years ago, so I kind of knew what it was going to be about. Um... You know, it wasn't that exciting. It was a a lovely little romance story. I thought it was kind of ironic how Adrian ended up with Paul when in his earlier life, you know, in terms of his commitment and his attention to family, he and Jack had some similarities. Um, You know, they were very busy. I mean, they, you know, certainly Paul and Mark were estranged from each other. Um, But, yeah, you know, I liked the... The getting together. I mean, you just kind of knew that that Paul wasn't coming back, um, and uh, I mean, it, it was a nice enough story. It just it wasn't it wasn't as uh, much of an adventure as I'm used to reading, but it was nice. Yeah, I, I like the book, and I have that's one thing about Nicholas Sparks books. At least uh, the ones I've read, there's not a whole lot of excitement to them, but they're you know they're they can be. They can be kind of interesting. Parts of it, I will say, and I'm not going to dwell on it, but parts of it were hard for me to read. But um, I enjoyed it. And I said five hours and 28 minutes or whatever. I'm like, oh, this is very good. So I, I kind of enjoyed the, the shortness of the book as well. Because, you know, Nicholas Sparks' books don't have a lot of action. And I like more action and adventure in my books for the most part. So I think it was the right length. And, uh, you know, of course, 
we, we all knew that Paul didn't come back, but it was interesting finding, you know, learning why he didn't come back. That was very, very sad. Um, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm so glad that, that he and, and Mark, um, Paul's son, were able to repair their relationship. And hi there, Carla. I'm going to be the negative one here. Um, and I was interested that Ruth Ann compared it with the bridge of, of Madison County because it's exactly what I thought, and I didn't like the bridges of Madison County either. Um, I want my books to be more realistic than that. I didn't think that was all realistic for two or three days. You, you were going to fall that passionately in love and all of that. And what bothered and I have to admit, I had trouble staying awake reading this book. And going back and trying to pick up where I missed, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but other than the point of his going there in the first place to get together with this man whose wife had died on the operating table, uh, if there was any more point to, to that set of affairs where the man was upset because his wife died... Um, I couldn't exactly see the point of having him be there for, you know, that whole thing build up in order for him to be there. So if I miss something there, I stand corrected. Um, and I have to admit, Nicholas Stark is not one of my favorite authors. Um, I'd like to say that I'm of two minds about this book. I, I couldn't put it down in that um, I read it in one sitting. I read it last Sunday morning because I wanted to make sure that I had it finished by Friday. And um, I classify this book as a, a, a summertime read. I, I didn't find it to be particularly heavy or intense. I, I thought it was, it was well, typical uh, Nicholas Sparks in that if you've read one Nicholas Sparks book, you know, and, uh, and I've read several, there's always a death at the end. And I'm just surprised that he never tires of, of writing that, um, that, that type of ending. Um, that's, that's always the case. And there's really nothing romantic or glamorous about death. And I, I'm with Jill uh, in that I find it hard to believe um, that two people could fall so passionately in love within three days. It was almost like they, they knew everything about each other. Well, when love is new, you can talk for hours and hours to a person it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a lasting relationship. So, but I didn't mind the read. It, you know, it was enjoyable, but I didn't find it to be particularly realistic.
couldn't get the key there. Um, well, that was... I picked this book, I suggested this book for a couple reasons. One, I knew with people going away, and whether it's conventions or vacations, nobody would want to read a long book. And it's a light summertime read. That's, that was the other thing. But this is also one of my favorite books by Nicholas Sparks. I have always really liked this one. I've read most of his, but I always come back to this one. And there are two other ones in that category, too. But it's just one that I really like. I like the... I love the way it's narrated. I think the narrator is very good. I couldn't listen to it with anybody else, and I'm glad Bard picked it. They picked the commercial audio one. And I just... It's typical Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, it's slow and typical Southern style, but I just have always really liked it. Let me try again. My mic was slipping. First, I don't know why Paul went to see uh, Robert either. I agree with Jill, but it's, what do they call it? An author can do anything. You know, maybe he wanted to say, I'm sorry, maybe, I don't know. But Adrian put it in perspective when she said, it's not for you. It's for Robert. He wants to say his story. It may bring him closure to say, see who you kill, the kind of person. He'll never change his mind that the doctor killed him, okay, killed her. So um, the son was more straight, we're suing you, we're going to get you. But Robert was deeper than that. And so it helped Robert, I think, by coming over, telling the story about this woman who sounded like a wonderful woman. She had this tumor that she just fretted over all of her life and got it out and died, okay? And Paul was never going to change his mind to have Robert say, you're right, doctor, you did everything you could, I forgive you, we'll drop the lawsuit. And that so that's one thing. It is a summer read. Um, Sparks does ends with death, Donna. That's that's very true. Um, it was a light read, and that's what I wanted this summer. I'm reading another one. Thirty hours. We just finished thirty three hours about Lyndon Johnson. It was great, but in the summer, I said, "Oh my gosh, when will it end?" Even though it was a great book. So that's my feeling. It was not you know not the greatest book, not the worst book. It was enjoyable, and um, I think. Number one, would you ladies have a bed and breakfast and have a guy come in there? You know, that's number one. This Gene said, run my bed and breakfast. And, uh, oh, by the way, this Paul's going to come in. We know, I don't know him. He's just coming in. And, yeah, I thought they fell in love pretty quickly. Some people say they do at first sight. Love grows. But then they separated and they started writing letters. And it, I think it could happen that she fell deeply in love with him. She never met any guys there. Jack wanted to date her. Remember, he, he was having troubles with Linda or divorcing her, and he said, well, you want to go out? And she said no. So that was the love of her life was Paula. I think Paul went there to meet Robert. It was, it was his way, because remember, he was trying to make himself feel better, and he was very, he was starting to, see that he had lost everything. He had worked too hard and like his father said when he had 
when he started running and in as a boy and his father said i hope you're running towards something not away from something and paul just threw himself into his work and whether it was college he only took a break one time and he got stuck in a hurricane or her was it a hurricane or a tornado or something and other than that, he worked and he he married, but he didn't know his wife. He didn't know his son, and I think he saw this as a way to try to come out of that. And that was the beginning of his trying to mend fences and with himself and with Robert. He's that's where he started and. Yeah, Adrian did put it into perspective, but I think that's why he did that. That was, he wouldn't have gone, and his attorney told him not to, and the person he had been 20 years before probably wouldn't have, but he saw it as a way to assuage his own guilt about the way he lived his life. I really enjoyed this book. Um, Well, for one thing... I like I like the way Nicholas Sparks writes. I love to bend in the road. I just like the way he writes. I'm I'm not particularly a, I don't really like romance novels that much. And there was part of me that said, "Oh no, another romance novel." Um, but it was short, and it was just the right length. That you know, a five hour and twenty minute novel is just about right for me in romance. Um, you know, I'd rather be reading a more of a something I could identify with. Um, or a science fiction or something else, but um, but this was just right, and because it was Nicholas Sparks, I, I really liked it. And as far as the slowness, um, I think it was part of Nicholas Sparks' craft, because when you think about Southern life, it is slower than those of us are, that live in the North. Our lives are not, not quite so slow. It, it, a southern, southern life has a slow lilt to it, and Nicholas Sparks did a great, um, you know, did a great job of catching that in more than one way. And I like his language, and I love the narrator a whole lot. And as far as Paul's reason to come to Rodanthe, yes, if if I think that it was a it was a matter of twinge of conscience. If you really thought that you played a part or may have played the part in somebody's death and some family member contacted you and wanted to see you, um, wouldn't you think, hey, that's the least I can do? I know I would think that way. And you'd, you'd want to at least try to come to terms with it, and that might be part of his coming to terms thing. And me too. I wrote down the quote that Paul's father um, said about running um, you know, making sure you're not running um, toward you're running towards something and not running away from something. To me, that was one of the really undergirding themes of this book. And I am sorry about the deaths at the end, but yeah, that's sort of what Sparks does. It's sort of Sparks esque, if there is such a word. Well, if there isn't, I made it up, so too bad. But yes, um, thank you for choosing this book and in the short read and this light summer fair. Okay, I, I, I love the analysis here, but Paul, if he thought he was going to assuage his guilt, that Robert would forgive him, Adrian pointed it out incorrectly, he won't forgive you. It's for him. And I thought that Robert at least told 
his wife's story, and he just got up and left. And uh, it was because of Adrian, I think, that Paul, you know, had he just come and never met her, I don't know that, you know, you want forgiveness, you know? At least I would. I'd go there and hope the guy would forgive me, but he did not forgive Robert. Uh, But he told his story, and he got up and left. I'd like to say that I I really loved the ending, uh, the part where... um, the part where Mark came to visit Adrian, I thought that was really nice. He didn't have to do that. He could have just written that letter. I liked that, and I loved the part that Paul uh, provided for Adrian's father in the nursing home for the rest of his life. I mean, that just, that was true love. He he had the money to do it, and he, uh, he couldn't come back to her because... Uh, you know, because of what happened, but but uh, he had to make, mend these fences with his son, and I just love the part that he provided for Adrian's father for the rest of his life. That was a really nice touch. I thought it was a very loving touch. Absolutely, it was, and and yeah. you know the theme of I'm guilty as a father. I've got to go to Ecuador. You know, he, uh, he kind of was hoping that she would say stay another night, stay another night, but she didn't because she knew, too, that he had to resolve that one, and I'm glad they were able to, um, you know, when he went up there with the Jeep through the storm, and uh, Mark then realized, this guy really loves me, you know, and let's, uh, you know, you like to believe they would have made up. What about Amanda? Amanda was a thread, too, wasn't she? She, you know, she lost her husband, grieving for him, drops, you know, raising her children, practically, and um, I think I think Adrian had to tell Amanda... And I don't think she had to tell the boys. The boys had their, the sons had their families. Uh, this was the growth of Amanda, too, who went through something similar, you know, to her mother. I, I thought that was very moving. Um, I was going to mention about Amanda. I found it so um, just typical of um, maybe a little teenagerish, uh, for lack of a better word, sophomoric maybe, of her when she kept saying to her mother, why, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell the boys? Uh, because kids don't think that their parents have lives apart from themselves. I, I mean, with kids, it's especially teenagers, they're focused on themselves. I know Amanda was no longer a teenager, but it, it just brought to mind uh, how focused some people are, or, or at least children. They, they don't think of their parents as, as having a, a romance with someone. They don't think of them as having a life apart from them themselves because they're used to being the center of attention. So um, I think it was a growth experience uh, for Amanda to hear this about her mother, and I like that she did not tell her brother when she came home to her house. She didn't tell her brother what um, she and her mother had discussed. Maybe what Adrian needed, or maybe did she, a girlfriend, someone she, but then that would have taken away the the suspense. Yeah. I think it had to be this way through Amanda. What's wrong? What happened? And uh, she he, she tells the story by telling her daughter. Yeah, I think it had to be that way too. And you're right, going back to Robert for a minute, he needed closure and... In his own way, he got it when he told the story, and he just got up and left. And he at least knew, okay, he couldn't forgive the guy, he couldn't forgive Paul, but he 
was able to tell the story and explain why he was so hurt and that one of my favorite those were my favorite scenes too when Mark came to see Adrian and when she found out that Paul had paid for her father in the nursing home and yeah I thought that was perfect that she didn't tell the boys because really that's something that I think a mother would be more likely to talk to a a grown daughter about eventually anyway more so than sons and you know maybe she would tell the boys later but I think that's something that a mother and a daughter would end up talking about at some point if it needed to be. I don't think the boys would have understood. I mean, the boys didn't play that big a part in the book, but I just have a feeling that, that, you know, they would come up with, well, gee, mom, you know, but they, sons tend to be very protective of their mothers and, um, they, they wouldn't have understood, and you know, why didn't you make him stay, and all that kind of thing. I, 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 that's just my speculation, of course. But I think it was a, it was good that uh, that Adrian kept it between her and Amanda. I did think it was um, kind of cool how Adrian told Amanda that she was able to process her grief immediately with her father, um, given the relationship between Paul and Mark, and yeah, um, I, I just thought it was kind of sweet that Adrian did have somebody there and she could just talk and she kind of felt that he could understand even though he wasn't able to communicate with her. I also very quickly like where her father, even when he had a stroke, said, I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah. I'm starting to use that. I'm, I'm at the age where I can say I'm proud of Jeff Tom or I'm proud of Kim because I've grown, I grew up with him in the ACB, and I knew Jeff when he was a young man out of Stanford Law School. So I can honestly say it, it's a good feeling both ways. Good feeling for me to say it and him to hear it and people to hear it if I really mean it, and I do. Oh, Bob, it was so nice to see you at the convention. I was trying to look you up even more. I was going to suggest maybe we have dinner or something. It just got hectic there. But um, getting back to the book, um, it was really... Um, an excellent um, way that they that Nicholas Sparks handled Amanda and Amanda grew a lot too uh, and I think she needed to hear her mother's story and um, there, there's something different between mothers and daughters and mothers and sons I know there are certain things that my mom would discuss with me that she wouldn't discuss with my brothers, and my brothers could care less. Now, the same goes true with fathers and daughters and mothers and sons, um, but they're different things, if you know what I mean. And so I I think that Amanda became sort of a a vessel for her mother in a way to, um, to come to terms with her loss of Paul and also... Um, to uh, assuage her daughter, and and I, I just I just think that the fact that they were both there for each other and had that understanding, and uh, when she told her about it, I think that was that was really great. This book struck me because God, I'm not a doctor, but I I threw my whole life 
I'm going to tell it this way, if I may, into the organized blind movement. Ruth Ann knows it. We were married. She was very good. She she kept our family together. I was off marching when I was in the NFB. Uh, what is that? We'd get a call uh, at 5 a.m. from the leader and Mr. Jernigan would say, I want you in Des Moines or I want you in D.C. to picket somebody like tomorrow. Well, and I was stupid. I was gung-ho. Well, wait, I have a job. Yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I, then you don't care about the blind, do you? And I became indoctrinated. And I did, I did uh, things that I would never do now. Not bad, not crooked. It's just picketing and doing stuff like that. And then... Um, and I was home with my son, you know. And Ruth and with our son, okay? I'm, I'm going to be quicker. I, we left, I'm not going to get into the story, but we, we had to leave the organization that I loved, Okay. And uh, then it happened again with ACB. We, we, I was very involved, not as much. I was a little smarter, but I was. But the whole point of it is that I, when the second time occurred and I had to leave for a while, stand back from ACB, I discovered my family almost too late, almost too late. But I did. So, you know, as they say, oh, what is it? A window shuts and a door opens. So although it was a, a sad point because I was an organization guy. Um, it was the greatest moment of my life. I mean, th- I think of the Little League games I missed and so forth. And I'm just telling you this so I could identify with Paul. That's why the book was so meaningful to me. Now, it's kind of a, I thought it was a romance. It was a summer read. But Nicholas Sparks hit a spark in me. Thank you. I think I put everybody to sleep. No, actually, <laughs> I I think... In some ways, that happens to a lot of us, and it's, I know now that when I was working, the first first agency I worked for was like that. It was, especially the last couple years I was there, the CEO, and, well, actually the whole time, I was on call 24-7, especially the last few years it got really bad and so I had no life and it got to the point if I wanted to do anything I had to say well I'm not going to be home this weekend so somebody else is going to have to cover for me and even when I was away for work-related training I was on call and so and in the second agency that happened too but it wasn't since we were a satellite we weren't a main office we weren't dealing with life and death decisions all the time the calls that were coming in were just they were non-emergencies most of the time and the few emergencies we did have we were able to handle with no problem but boy that first agency it was just totally different and you had to be ready you had to give your life's blood to the place and it was my first job and for a long time I did it but then I got to the point I said no I I can't do this anymore and for other reasons too I had to get out and get away from it and find something else to do and then I started to feel that pull of needing to just find something else to do and just get away from it entirely because I felt like 
I was missing out on a lot. And there was a part of me that was just not, I just, I wasn't happy. I wasn't able to be involved with my family and my friends and do the things I wanted to do. So it was time to move on. So, yeah, I think some of us do go through that. And you have to learn when to say enough's enough. And I think that's why a lot of people just take that risk and jump ship, start a business that who knows if it's going to fly, but we'll try it anyway to have a new, better life. Yeah, this has sort of been what's happening to me my whole life. Um, Now at my age, I'm really regretting that I didn't get married and have a family, have children. But um, when I was growing up, one of my classmates said I'd probably grow up to be a heartless career woman. And in some ways, she was right. I don't know about the heartless part, but certainly career woman. And I've been putting everything for the last 25 years. It'll be 26 on August the 6th into, you know, to my business, Lingual Learn Communications, and then teaching school at Central Christian Academy part-time. And um, But sometimes at the expense of maybe family or starting a romance, although I've had several romances that didn't work out, so maybe that's why. And maybe I need to start asking myself the question, am I running towards something or running away from something? That really, that that sort of was a, a I don't know how to say it, that was sort of a barb. It made me think when, you know, that, that just cut to the quick when, when Paul's father said that. But and I can understand, Bob, how, you know, with the blindness movement, sometimes I feel like I'm too involved, you know. I'm, um, you know, wor- working with the independent visually, inter- um, visually impaired entrepreneurs. I've been the president of that and, um, and NABT, now AABT. And, and sometimes I'll be reading email and I'm on various lists and I'll think, if I see another blindness-related email, I'm going to scream. I just want to do something for me, you know what I mean? Or there, there's more to me than being blind. But when you get involved with blind organizations, that's sort of what happens. Um, and you have to be careful about getting branded a certain way. But what it all comes to, I think, and even what Nicholas Sparks might have been trying to tell us is balance. You need a balance between family and professional and volunteer life and um, what you do and what you are, you know, to find out what you are, and you have to quit this running. Well, first, I want to say, Carla, that you've done great things in your life. The children you influenced, I hope that I influence warriors in the personnel room, in personnel rooms, revolutionaries who believed in me, yeah, because I was blind, but more importantly, because I was me and came to my realization that blindness can be overcome. I'm not going to give a speech. But, you know, and, and I think some, many of my kids have done that and, and tell their kids about me, and they do the same about you. So you're great. I would only say my friend who was a, a blind chiropractor told me once, you know, don't give it all to the organization. Save some for yourself. Say no once in a while. That's hard. Because they look at you, well, you want to let us down then, right? They'll always put me on committees and presidents because I'm a work, I work hard. When I get into something, I'm going 100 miles an hour to finish it. But maybe John Bolius told me, just take it easy. And 
when he wanted to host the show yesterday, even though I had prepared a whole script and no jokes. I'm not good at telling jokes. I said, you know, he really loves it. Let him do it. I'm glad he's on. And I just kicked back and enjoyed. So it's it's hard, though, because I just am way ahead. I'm not smarter than anybody else, but I can work hard. And I get in there, well, wait, let's do this. Wait, you know. And um, you have to go at the speed of the crowd and when the time is ready. So I've learned now, thank God, before I got too old and crotchety, not to give all everything to the organization, say no. And sometimes uh, my wife wants to go to dinner or whatever. Well, that's first. I don't care what the organization's doing. That, that's what happens. We go to dinner or we do what she wants because she doesn't ask that much of me in the civil rights struggle that we're in. I would like to say to, to Carla, um, you have done great things and you're doing great things. And I think maybe if you will look at it as a generational difference, when, when I became an adult, most women really wanted to get married and raise a family. I mean, that was what that generation wanted to do. And that's, <laughs> and fortunately, um, that's what I was able to do. And when my job really interfered with that, which it did, when my first baby was born, and I had a six-month leave, I realized I could not go back to work and leave that baby. And that was just, that was all there was to it. And we made the decision that no matter what, and it really meant scrimping and scraping not to do it. But I didn't. Where your generation, careers were a lot more important. And, and yes, I've seen people struggle with it, you know, and, and try to start a family and they were too late. So that is the sacrifice. But so it isn't just you. I'm afraid it's your whole gen- that whole generation. Yeah, that's a great, great that's point. A good point. Uh, yeah, my sister and her daughters get married. That if you don't get married and have about five kids, you failed in life. You know, but there's the career women who are breaking the glass ceiling, and uh, tra- and Carla, you've chartered paths that you don't even realize what you've done in your career, breaking the glass ceiling, showing that it can be done. And, uh, oh, no, your life has not been in vain. I hope mine hasn't. I hope. Well, I have to agree. It definitely hasn't been in vain. And I think in terms of what Nicholas Sparks was getting at, I think you're right. Balance is what he was getting at. And really, Paul didn't see much of a balance in his life because his father, all he did was work the farm. And... So that was all Paul did. Thank you all for your kind thoughts, but I do think it is the balance thing. And I don't know, Nicholas, Nicholas Sparks, in my opinion, has a way of imparting uh, subtle truths in a subtle way. And that's one thing that I like about his writing. As I said before, I'm I'm not all enthralled with deaths, certainly, and Romance has never been one of my favorite genres. I, I've read more romance books with, with you folks than I have from the whole rest of my life combined. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, love, shmob, no more of this, come on. Uh, you know what I mean? But, but, but um, you know, that's the fabric of life, too. Uh, and 
it wasn't too over the top either. Uh, some some romance authors, in my opinion, just go too over the top, and I'm glad Nicholas Sparks didn't uh, and doesn't. But um, that said, I I'm going to uh, change course a little bit. I, I'll tell you another thing that enthralled me about this audio production was the music interludes in between each of the chapters and sections. I think that really added to the book. And the only thing is I was listening to parts of it on fast speed and the music sort of got distorted and webbiness. It got this webbiness about it or this electronic, um, you know, with all these electronic um, effects on it that it wasn't so good. But when you play it at normal speed, the, the music really did enhance the, the presentation of the book. What do you all think about that? It certainly did. Now I'm going to give you Ruthann. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to say, too, that I I agree that the music did uh, really enhance. I think this book was meant to be read slowly. Not a double speed, Carla. You're terrible. No, no, but many times we we read something, and some books are meant to be read, you know, slowly and, you know, take the time. We're all moving so fast now. But I think what I was saying before is that when it comes down to, uh, you don't know, you never know how much of an impact you're having in the world, and especially as a teacher, uh, you will never hear from some of the people who uh, really benefited from, you know, knowing you and getting to know you and having as uh, having an influence on people. I'm running into people all the time that knew Bob, and... Uh, that were influenced by him, and he had no idea, you know, that that was the case. And every once in a while, you know, that you do run into people, but there's just such a, like a, you know, you think you're you're trying to help people and things, but you'll never know how far out that stream of consciousness goes. Oh, Carla, you read parts of this on faster speed? Really? (laughs) That was another reason that I was really happy Bard went with the commercial version, because the music, the way this book is done, I think it was meant to be read slowly, and it was... It just... The music did add to it. And I always say that none of us know how we impact people around us and how we affect people. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine, she at, we worked together and she drove for me for a long time. And then she was working in the office and she was working with a lot of the personal assistants and the consumers that we served. And she had... A stroke one day and when word got out that she was sick everybody just started sending her cards and when she was well enough to take phone calls she said to me at one point I never knew so many people cared and she said it just it really amazes me she said I've, I've heard from people that I haven't heard from and that I that I barely knew and that I hadn't heard from in a long time and I just can't believe it. 
So, yeah, you you never know. I remember vividly we had a guy who was a crusty old history teacher, and he had a heart attack. And the faculty, he was not a likable guy, but a great teacher. And they didn't even send him a card. And I knew that he had a heart attack, and I found out the hospital. I knew I could, we couldn't drive down there. I said, Ruthann, let's send him flowers and a get-well card. That's all I could do to the florist, you know. And he called me, and he, he sort of liked me, but he really didn't. You know, too. His son was deaf, and he said the blind don't do anything to help the deaf, on and on. He'd argue, he taught with me 20 years, and um, he called crying. He said, you're, you know, you're the only guy that cared, and I thank you so much. You don't know what it meant. I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm sure others came. They didn't. And he recovered and taught a little while, then retired and passed away later with a heart, another heart attack. But he was a crusty guy. If you knew him, he wouldn't. You, you thought that guy would never cry. I wanted to mention something about the, the book. It had great ambiance. There is nothing like a storm that adds to a romance. Nothing more than a storm, whether it be a, a rainstorm or or a snowstorm, that makes for a romantic setting. And I, I just thought the the setting was very romantic, also. I did too, and I didn't read much of it on fast speed. I just a couple of the romance scenes. I just did, and then I realized the music was all distorted. And that's when I said to myself, you know, I got to slow down. You move too fast. And when I did slow it down to its normal speed and listen to the narrator's southern drawl and all that, then I realized that you're right. That's how the book should be uh, enjoyed. But you know what? That in itself is a lesson. Sometimes we try to fast forward through life, and in, in life we don't have the um, the luxury of hitting the the back button. Um, it's like a video killed the, the the radio star. There's a a line in there that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, in your in your car, and it says we can't um, you can't rewind. We've gone too far, and um, <laughs> so it's. It's um, it's the truth. Sometimes, maybe um, maybe it's a bad habit, especially with a short book to to read at a faster speed, uh, because because you you don't have time to think and absorb and get caught into the slowness and just the um, loveness of the book and the and I'm making up words here, but just the the ambiance of the South and. And then when the music gets distorted, it's sort of a symbolic thing how things get distorted when you try to just rush through them and you don't really experience them. So that in itself is an object lesson. Before I have a senior moment, I want to tell you that I've gotten the book by Harper Lee in Braille, Go Watchmen. Uh, you know, I'll only say Scout comes back 20 years later. But I was worried about UEB. Mostly, you know, I don't like the things they did, but I can read it. I thought, oh, I'll never be able to read this, and I'm able to read it. I, I won't get into what they did. You guys know as well as I do. But it, it is out there in Braille um, with, on Bard. I have the Harper Lee book in Audible, and I'm looking forward to reading that as well. I'm, I'm pretty excited about reading it. Uh, if it's in Braille, I would assume. Uh, now I know I shouldn't assume, but I'm going to check and see if it's available um, in, in you know, audio format on Bard because I do want to read it, and I just assumed that it wouldn't be out there yet, so I, I didn't even check. Shame on me. Um, 
but you know what? I don't like reading books on fast speed. I'm, I read books usually on one or two on the Victor stream. But I, to me, a, a book is to be enjoyed. And, uh, but on zero, it's, it's, it's just too slow. But one or two just makes it just right. And, uh, so I was in the, I was able to enjoy the music. And, uh, it, they were nice musical interludes between the chapters. When I listened to Maureen Corrigan's review of this book, I made the conscious decision not to read it, and I, and I don't intend to, because I don't want my feelings about, um, isn't that terrible, about Scott's father. I, I don't want Scott's father. I don't want those changed, so I'm not going to read it. It's not available yet on audio on Bard Marsha. Um, and I agree. I read books. I don't I don't speed them up at all because I want to enjoy them. And, yeah, one or two is good, but I don't speed them up any further than that. Bob, when you... Did you have to change your setting on your Braille note? I assume you're reading it on your Braille note. I don't have it set to UEB, but did you have to change that? No, I don't know how to do it. All I know is it's reading, but they'll have the BLE sign is gone and no capital letters. Like, But maybe I didn't know I had to change anything. So I just started reading it. I'm going to get it on Audible, though. I should have checked there, but I didn't think it was out yet. You know, they, oh, it's just come off the press, and if Audible's got it. You know, I like Braille, but Audible's faster. And they better leave Atticus alone. I might not, but I'll read it. But Atticus is great. But I know they're going to come up with some deep, dark secret, which is unfortunate. Okay, I have heard a review that said that at the beginning, it looks like Atticus is a racist. However, that is not the way the book ends up. And the Audible book is narrated by Reese Witherspoon, so it should be pretty good. I just might have to splurge and get it on Audible then. Reese Witherspoon would be a great narrator. If, you know, I use Media Rec in some of these, and I'm not, you know, I'll get some stuff. They they do Barnaby Jones, you know, and I'll download it. I hate it when they give long lectures about how to convert Audible books to MP3. That really, I, 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 my morality gets up. I don't, I'm not perfect, but I, doggone it, I bought that book, and you're tell, you're handing it out to everybody, you know, God, and they do it on with NLS books. And they're going to do it until the FBI catches them down the road. Well, as a person that likes to write, and I do like to write music and stories and poetry, and I know how how much trouble it is to write, I just, you know, it it makes me feel angry and bad that that people would, would steal books and that they would share them illegally because it's sort of, a lot of, a lot of, um, work goes into it a lot of craft goes into it and i think writers and authors and musicians should be rewarded for it and i think it's just another sign of our lack of morality or the morality that's slipping away in our modern society and it just it just sort of doesn't go down the right way with me that said i i think i will read the harper lee book and i was going to suggest maybe it's something that Maybe the group might want to think about sometime in the future or something. I don't know, but 
I'm, I'm also going to go back and reread To Kill a Mockingbird because it's been a long time ago since I read it. And then maybe after I've done that, read the book. I might just have to get Audible because all these books come out on Audible and I just I might just have to get it. I've got Bookshare, so maybe I'll do Audible too. And uh, I wonder if they if anybody has any because uh, I get podcasts and for a while there people were... Um, you know, before the podcast starts, they would say uh, Audible uh, has a special offer going. Go to audible.com um, forward slash, and then they give a coupon code so you could get, like, points off or, you know, get points for books or whatever, download your first book free or whatever. So, but I haven't heard any of those lately on podcasts, so maybe I'll just wait until uh, until they do that again. I think that was back more in the winter. But we'll see what happens. But I may end up getting um, Audible. You know, I think that's always a situation with Audible that your first free, your first book is free. Um, but I also wanted to give a shout out for for anybody who's an Android phone user. Bard just released the Android app, and I love it because I have an Android phone, not an iPhone. I don't know because I do have some re- residual vision, so that I've got you know my phone in large font and I can I can search it. But it makes searching for books so much easier. Um, so it, they just released it recently, and, and it works really well. There's another really good book out there. Actually, unfortunately, it's not on board yet. It's on Bookshare, and it's on Audible. And it's one that I think either we need to do at some point or Fictional and New needs to do at some point. When it becomes available on board, I read it on Bookshare and I couldn't put it down. It's called Once We Were Brothers. It was just an excellent read. Anyway, it's almost 10 o'clock. Um, and so, does anybody have any suggestions or does anybody have anything else they want to add about this book before we. or does anybody have any suggestions for a book for next month? I do. Um, I don't know if it was read at another book club because I don't know how I came to download it. Sometimes I'll, you know, people will recommend books for the to their book club, and I'll download it. So if this sounds familiar to anyone, let me know. And if you don't, if you don't want to discuss it, that's okay too. But it's called "Calling Me Home" by Julie Kibler, J U L I E K K I B L E R, and it's about. Uh, this this older woman, she's like 90, and uh, she lives in California, and she's a white woman, and she uh, has become very close with a black woman who is her um, hairdresser, and she needs to take a trip back to Cincinnati, Ohio, for some family business, and so this goes through their trip. It's, it's very interesting. When I started reading, I thought, oh, boy, here we go, talking about their trip all the way from California to Cincinnati. But the chapters um, go back and forth between the, this uh, older woman and uh, the younger woman. She's raising two, two kids, a boy and a girl, and they're having some difficulties, but she decides to go on this trip anyway. So the, the chapters alternate between... Uh, the older woman's life story and the younger woman's, uh, uh, you know, present day, uh, what's going on in her life. 
and I believe I can go look look again, but I believe the book number is uh, DB number seven six eight three one. I'll go make sure that's correct. But um, I highly recommend it. It kind of reminds me, in a way, of of the help. You know, it's not really like the help, but it's kind of sorta. And they have two women narrators. Uh, one does the older woman, and one does the younger woman. And uh, I really like this book. I read the book too, and it's an excellent book. I definitely think that every, I don't think anyone would be disappointed in it. It's a really good book, and I recommended it to several other BARD users, friends of mine, and everyone enjoyed it immensely. Okay, the DB number is 76861 on that book. It's, uh, yeah, 76861. Oops, thanks, Liz. I guess I made a mistake there writing it down. But, yeah, thank you. 76861. Super. This is one that I saw on board, and I actually added it to my wish list as one that I want to read. So this sounds like a good one. Thanks, Marsha. What do the rest of you think? Um, actually, guys, this is also a commercial. It's uh, it's it's a commercial audio book, and Bonnie Turpin is one of the narrators who was one of the narrators in The Help. I love these commercial books when they move them over. When NLS gets them, that was, I don't want to lose our narrators that we love. We had Joe Wilson, who I didn't like before, but I do now that he appeared before the convention. He was very good. So I don't want to lose those guys, but I love the commercial readers as well, like Dick Hill, guys like that. Okay. Oh, wait. Seven, eight. Ooh, wait. Something six, one. Do the, do the. There you go. I'll shut up and somebody give the DB number again, please. 76861. I just was on to say it has my vote. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 76861. And I don't, uh, thank you, Liz. I'm, <laughs> I thought I had it written down correctly. But um, actually, Bob, I, I, well, I listened to most of the coverage of the ACB convention. So I did hear Joe Williams. And I'm actually reading the book that he uh, uh, read from, um, and so far it's it's a good book. It's you know short stories, and uh, it's a very good book. And I I think I like him. I I come, I'm having to kind of get used to his narration style, but I like his his voice is great. But I just I'm having to get used to his you know the way he reads. I listened to it too, and I had I didn't remember ever hearing him before, but I liked I like his voice. It's great. I've never read anything by him, but I think I might download that book. And I thought it was especially interesting. Most of the narrators are broadcasters. They're in radio. Or they're actors and actresses or singers. And this guy is coming from a totally different place. Working with police officers, I that just is fascinating. Absolutely. Listen, guys, we're moving on here. Got to have dinner. <laughs> this is a great uh, meeting, and I thank you. Thank you, everyone. It was great. I liked how we kind of just went into other things too.